You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is Patricia Martz, and you're listening to Profiles in CRM. Welcome to Profiles in CRM, episode 38. Here's your host, Chris Webster. Profiles in CRM asks CRM professionals eight simple questions. The answers vary wildly depending on their experience and education. Because of the nature of contract archaeology and how small this field really is, some people choose not to reveal their name or the company they work for. Stay to the end of the show to hear how you can have a chance to answer these same questions. All right, we're here on Profiles, and here's the first question. What is your name, and who do you work for? My name is Patricia Martz, and I'm a professor emeritus, but I'll talk about who I work for under CRM. Um, I was the first archaeologist to be hired by the Los Angeles District Army Corps of Engineers. And the way I got that job was I was a grad student at UC Riverside working for the Archaeological Research Unit. And we got contracts from the Corps of Engineers. And this was like in 77. And so I, I was uh, crew chief, or actually uh, project um, director or principal investigator for some archaeological surveys and some digs that we did for the Corps. And I wrote the reports. And so they hired me as a 700-hour temp at the Corps of Engineers. And then that worked into a one-year appointment. And then that worked into um, a GS-11 archaeologist. So I was senior archaeologist for the Army Corps of Engineers. And I thought it was going to last maybe two weeks because my professors had said, called them the corpse of engineers and said that they had dammed up every river in California except one and they were after that one. So I thought, oh, I was going to be compromised ethically and I wouldn't be able to last very long. But it turned out to be a really good time. Nixon was, was the president and he was into this environmental stuff. He, he was responsible for a lot of the environmental laws and so they had just passed um, the uh, National Preservation Act of 1966 but and at that time the um, Park Service was doing all the archaeology for the agencies and then the agencies um, decided that they wanted to have their own archaeologists so they hired me and, and they gave me a stack of regulations and laws oh and the way I got the job in the interview was they said you know, well, what do you know about um, the federal laws? And I said, oh, Executive Order 115998. And they go, oh, woo, okay. So they handed me a whole stack of regulations, code of regulations, and uh, said, okay, tell us what we need to do. And they had just established a whole environmental division. And so everybody was all into um, environmental protection, and we had biologists and different expertise and and the, the archaeology had been done by a geologist uh, a uh, geologist yeah and so I immediately said oh and, and the district was responsible for archaeology in Southern California Nevada and parts of oh, oh in Arizona mm -hmm. and parts of uh, New Mexico and so we were like oh <laughs> and so they had they had all these projects, and so immediately I said, I can't do all this. Yeah. You're going to have to hire some more people. So I ended up hiring six other archaeologists. And uh, then they started sending us out to Vandenberg and 
a lot of the military bases to get to do their archaeology for them. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, it was really good. I didn't get to do a lot of field work because it was all uh, contracting yeah. and writing. Uh, so we became so good at contracting that in the case of a major disaster, we would where you didn't do archaeology anywhere, we would be contracting out doing procurement right. okay. for, for the Corps. So um, it was really a, a great experience. Um, got an idea of what uh, contracting archaeologists were doing and, and really required peer review on the, on the archaeological work. And uh, one of the projects I'm really proud of was the uh, New River um, and uh, Phoenix Flood Control Project. And uh, on that, there was a uh, huge petroglyph site mm. north of Phoenix. And uh, the Corps of Engineers was building a dam that would abut that. And they ended up only affecting about 16 of the uh, boulders. But um, I was concerned that once they built the dam, that there was going to be a lot of development go in because before there was too much flooding. And so um, I convinced them that they needed to have an interpretive center out there. They needed to have a presence because you could fence the petroglyphs, but that's not. Right. It was an entire hillside of right. nothing but petroglyph rocks. And so um, they said, OK, uh, we can build it. Um, but we won't operate and maintain it because it's not going to be a gated dam. So you, so you have to get someone, a sponsor, who will operate and maintain it. And the Metropolitan or the uh, Maricopa Flood Control District had to buy the land. Yeah. And so um, they didn't. I wanted them to buy a buffer zone for the petroglyphs in addition to the side of the hill. In a, of course, as soon as the property owner found out that they were going to um, buy it, he wanted him, He said he was going to do a big uh, housing development on the top of this hill, right. and so he wanted more money. So the white shirt guys from Maricopa Flood Control District came out, and I marched them up and down that petroglyph hill in 110 degree <laughs> until they agreed to give me the buffer zone that I wanted. Nice. And so, uh, and then I had to do a dog and pony show going around to different institutions to get someone to operate and maintain it. And uh, ASU took it over. Yeah. And so it's called the Deer Valley Interpretive Center. Mm -hmm. And they have, uh, they built, the Corps of Engineers uh, had a contractor build this. And it kind of fits in with the environment, crosses over the flood control channel. And so you have to go through that in order to get and then do a tour of the petroglyphs. Hmm. So I'm real proud of that project. Yeah. And also, I made, of, of all the archaeology that was done out there, I had them do not only a technical report, but a non-technical report for the public. Because any major archaeological project needs to get more out to the public. That's the yes. biggest thing we're doing wrong right Absolutely. now. Yeah, I, I agree. I talked about that at length on the podcast about half of our job is doing the archaeology, the other half is telling people about it. Right, and yeah. huge projects that are really important are never, the information never gets out to the public. Well, and often they're on public land too. Right. You know, right. Here. So, yeah, we've got to figure out a way for that. Um, okay, well, uh, 
so answer these questions however you want, um, you know, having been in CRM and then not CRM, things like that. But the next question is, how long have you been working in CRM? So um, I guess how long did you work in CRM? Uh, probably about uh, 20 years. I was 13 years at the Army Corps of Engineers. Okay. So. And before that, I did a lot of, you know, things like field surveys and, and uh, crew chief stuff and right. worked in Catalina. and. <laughs> well, that's getting into the next question. Um, okay. Well, that's actually the fourth question. I'll jump to that okay. one real quick. So where have you worked um, in CRM? In CRM, yeah. um, San Nicolas Island. Mm. I taught a field class there for 20 years, but it was CRM because we were, uh, it's a Navy installation. Mm. And so we were uh, doing work to put the Navy in compliance with Section 110 of the National Historic Preservation Act, where we had to locate all the archaeological sites and evaluate them for the National Register of Historic Preservation. So uh, mainly we were um, testing sites. Mm -hmm. And we had a huge program called an index unit program, where um, a, a sample of sites, of, let's see, we surveyed and recorded and mapped 525 archaeological sites on this island, and it's only nine miles long and three miles wide. So, and so then a sample of that, we would just put uh, a, a select, just select an area on the site and, and excavate it to get an idea of what the components were and whether it appeared to be eligible for the National Register. Okay. And trained a lot of students in excavation techniques. And so there was. Yeah. One of, was there. He was out there. He was one of the students. So. Nice, nice. So you've also worked in Arizona. I worked in Arizona yeah. and Nevada, and uh, let's see. Um, I also worked in Peru. I, oh. I taught a field school there. So. Nice. I always hear good things about Peru. My wife did three field seasons out there. Oh, did she? Yeah, with yeah. her. With, she was at the University of North Carolina. Yeah. So okay. Well, when you were in CRM, you've kind of already answered this too, but we'll ask you anyway. Um, what was the position you usually had, um, the position responsibility you had, and what was the highest position you ever had? So I think you kind of already answered that. Uh, principal investigator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right. So again, here are the, uh, here are the fun questions. Um, what is the best thing that's happened to you that's related to being an archaeologist? Not even just a CRM archaeologist, but just an archaeologist throughout your career. I think teaching. Mm -hmm. I think teaching students in archaeology, and I taught a CRM class. In fact, I developed the class for Cal State Los Angeles, and um, I think teaching the students was the most uh, rewarding part. And uh, being on San Nicolas Island was wonderful, because you can't go out there. It's a Navy installation, so we were really privileged to be able to go, go out there and work. And, Mm -hmm. See all the sea mammals and and the huge shell mounds and the archaeology out there. How long? Just side note. How long has that been managed by the Navy? Oh, so, well, let's see. Nineteen during the war, it was the Army, yeah. and then the Navy took it over okay. soon after that. So it's been military since like the forties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So relatively untouched in. Modern well, times. it was a sheep ranch. Oh, they okay. Took, they re, that's the uh, the island of the blue dolphin. It's the island where the lone woman of San Nicolas Island okay. was marooned there for eighteen years yeah. when they took all the other Indians off. They should have left them out there instead of putting sheep out there to to uh, erode the island away because they really ate up all the vegetation. Right. And, 
Okay. So. Wow. Okay. All right. So in reference to CRM, uh, what is the biggest thing that you would change uh, that would make being a CRM archaeologist better? Well, I think Silver has the right idea about they need to be paid better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wonder about people who do it for years and years and don't have any benefits or any insurance or any um, retirement. Yeah. yeah. So that's a problem. Right. Okay. I think we'll skip the what is your career goal in CRM question. Um, All right. So the last question, and this is this is good having uh, having taught CRM classes. Um, If you could give an undergrad thinking about CRM as a career one piece of advice, what would it be? It would be um, to to learn how to write well, Mm -hmm. to be and one of and even take notes. When you're excavating, you're the only one who sees the, you know, what you're finding. And so to be able to record that really well and take good notes, but also if you can write well, you have more chances of getting promotions and advances. And and like Silvera said, he writes shippo letters. And that's really important to know how to, you know, how to do that, but also to write site reports. So I, I would say, Learn your, your basic skills in archaeology and, and learn to respect what you're finding and to record it well. But I think writing a good technical report is, is an important thing. Show notes for this and all episodes can be found on the Archaeology Podcast Network website at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash profiles. At that page, you'll also find a form that you can fill out so you can be interviewed on the show. Interviews take less than 30 minutes, and you don't need any special equipment. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the field. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.